When you've gone through a challenging time in your life, you may find it quite hard to experience Christ through that time. Or you could be on the other side of that spectrum where you feel God's love so deeply during this challenging time. For myself and for our guests today, we have both been on either side of that coin. But as an athlete or just as a person in this life, how can we navigate this topic when you are pursuing a relationship with Christ and want to feel him in your life and while you pursue your dream as an athlete? Our guest today is Abilene Christian University football player Anthony Egbo Jr. And throughout his life, he has faced numerous challenges that we will discuss today. But as someone that continuously pursues Christ, even outside of the sport, Anthony has not only become a better athlete, but has transformed his perception of Christ and what his plan is for Anthony's life. From being a walk-on to becoming a captain of the ACU football team, he replicates Christ and knows what it means to experience God through anything that he goes through, especially challenging times. Anthony will be the first to tell you he didn't expect what he has gone through, but You'll get a snapshot of how his attitude, his tenacity, and his fear of God has changed during his collegiate career. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today we get to talk to Anthony Egbo Jr. Anthony, thanks for joining the show today, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I really appreciate you coming on. And yeah, I mean, we have a lot to talk about today. We're gonna, we're talking about you know experiencing Christ through challenges today. And you know, I'm sure you've you've faced your fair share of challenges in your time at a, in college. But as as you are in your last, you ha, you have played your last year of collegiate football. You had an incredible journey, a wild ride to get to where you are today. So I think the first question I wanted to ask you is, how has Christ affected you? How you play sports and how you live your life? Loaded question, um, but I think the most important thing that I keep going back to um, when I get around this topic is that um, I find my identity outside of my sport. Um, and I know that a lot of times we hear that, and it's um, a lot of people talk about that, and you know, not not being engulfed in your sport, and you know, having your identity in Christ. But I think that is that is so important for athletes nowadays. Um, not only to hear that, but to to find out how to actually apply that. Mm. How does that look like every day? Like, what what does that look like? Because, you know, we hear it, you know, find your identity in Christ, not in your sport. But what does that mean? What does that look like? How do you do that? Um, and I think for me, um, some of the challenges I face, like, as far as playing, like, career-wise, um, that helped kind of guide that application of that of that theme in my life um so you know sometimes god strips things away from you sometimes god lays things bare um just so that you're able to see him more clearly and i think that sometimes we fight that we fight the we fight the the move of god sometimes to to strip us bare um because it doesn't feel good it's uncomfortable but I think sometimes in those processes, um, we find out who God really is to us. Um, not that he changes, but um, how we see him changes. And so I think that finding your identity in Christ is the number one thing, not out, not in your sport, but also apply, applying that to you specifically. How does that look for you in your sport, in your life um, specifically? Yeah. 
Yeah, that is interesting. And why do you think Christ, God called you to ACU? Because, I mean, you can share as much or as little as you want of your story and your background. Uh, I listened to a podcast that you were on that was crazy, the story that that happened uh, to get to where you are. But why do you think he called you there? You know, this that's an interesting question because I don't know the answer. Um, mm. But I started thinking about this a little bit more recently and uh, it kind of just, it kind of made me scared, but it also kind of, you know, opened my eyes a little bit more. Um, but I realized something and I kind of cross-checked it with scripture. Um, and I realized a lot of times when God reveals something to someone, um, reveals something he's about to do, um, it's because there's something that's coming that's probably going to create doubt in that plan. So usually when God says, um, you know, hey, this is what I'm about to do, it's because what's coming is probably going to challenge that thought, going to challenge that belief. And he's 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 giving that assurance beforehand so that you can hold on to that while you're going through that process. And I couldn't think of a, like, for example, like, you know, um, the angel coming and telling Mary um, about baby Jesus. Like, obviously, there was challenges that was going to come through that. Um, God, uh, God revealing the dream to Joseph, like, he needed to hold on to that dream because there was challenges that were coming um, from that. Um, so, and, and, you know, God speaking to Moses through the burning bush, that, that was so profound. That, that encounter was so profound because, what Moses is about to go into, he needed to know that it was God that was speaking to him. And, uh, and so sometimes God has these profound encounters because, um, and they're, and they're, you know, they're powerful moments that we experience God, but also usually that, that means that there's something coming that's going to challenge that and you need to hold on to that. And that's why he came in such a profound way. So I think with my story with ACU, looking hindsight, how God brought me here, it made sense because if I didn't, if I didn't have a conviction that God was called, God called me to be here, I would have ran away a long, long time ago. Um, but I think a part of, a part of the way that sometimes God reveals his, his heart towards us and his, his plans towards us is so that we can be able to trust his word and know that he's faithful before mm-hmm. anything happens. Um, and that we're able to build that discipline to, to rely on and and hold on to his word while we go through uh, whatever that we go through. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I listened to a sermon last night, actually. It was about, you know, Jacob wrestling with God and how that literally changed the course of his life. <clears throat> but the principle of it was, even though you might wrestle with God and God, you know, challenges you if we go through challenges and we have to rely on God through those there's always a blessing that comes out of that and I think that you being at ACU it has taught you so much more than you thought absolutely so what what advice would you give to athletes that they want to play in college they're you know maybe they're a high school student or they're younger and they want to play in college or at the next level but they can't seem to figure it out because there's a lot of different scenarios that that happen when you're trying to figure out playing in college I'm a, I'm a big proponent for sports. I'm a big proponent for, um, you know, using your talents and abilities God gives you to, to glorify his name, to, you know, be able to have a, uh, network to a different, uh, group of people. I'm a huge proponent for that. 
I think it gets tricky because it, there's a, there's a, it's tricky because sometimes a decision like this requires a lot of discernment, a lot of prayer and a lot of seeking God for direction because there's a group of people which I wouldn't, I would have included myself in this group that pursuing athletics at the next level um, would not be beneficial. Um, and I'm speaking spiritually uh, because there's a, there's a level of temptation that comes with that. Mm. Um, and, and I'm speaking internally too. Like there's a level of like um, temptation for, for pride and, and, and vainglory and um, distortion of, of priorities. There's so much that comes with <laughs> so much that comes with it that if you're not spiritually prepared, you're, you're, you could be walking into um, a dangerous environment. Um, and so I think for some, it might be beneficial to, Hey, you know, that, that, that's okay. Like you, you, the pursuit of, of that sport at the next level is not the best thing for me. Um, spiritually, maybe career wise, maybe in just in, in general. Um, I think on the other side of it, which I would also have put myself in this category, um, there's this there's this model that um that kind of me and my brother have kind of t- taken on for this year and we feel like God kind of um was speaking this this kind of word to us um at the beginning of this year and we're holding on to it and it's 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 this concept of not limiting God um and so it's like sometimes we we disqualify ourselves from what God wants for us because we have come to the conclusion that we're not good enough that we're not qualified enough. Um, so if I listen to everyone that was giving me advice before college, I would not have went to ACU, which which actually was exactly where I needed to be. But in my own view of myself, I wasn't good enough to come to ACU. I wasn't good enough to play Division One football. I wasn't good enough to walk on to the team. Um, and so there's the aspect of this disqualification that we give to ourselves that limits God, um, that limits God's, uh, the scope that God wants to work in your life. I, I was completely, I got my first division three quote unquote offer, um, offer to play. And I was like, okay, well, this is my level. This is, this is the, this is the best that God can give me. That essentially that's what I was telling myself. That's what I was telling everybody else around me because everybody was saying, hey, you should just take this. Like, you know, you're you're lucky to even have a chance to, you know, play collegiate football. Like, go take it. And so I, I assumed that that was the best that God could give me, Division three. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with Division three. There's nothing wrong with Division two. But I I capped myself at to that level. I didn't seek God's um, direction for a, a different a different avenue, a different um, school, a different level. I just said, well, this this is probably where I need to be um, without seeking God's direction. Um, and so in that, you can you can see the group that says, no, I'm division one and there's nothing else. And even if God is leading me to another place, another level, uh, I don't think that's God because I need to be here. I want this. 
And then there's the other level that's saying, the other group that's saying, well, you know, I, I probably am only good enough to be here. So I doubt that God would be calling me to go here. Um, and so there's a, a limiting aspect of God. And there's also a lifting up of ourselves that 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 is dangerous as well. And so I think I know I kind of went went, you know, wayward from your question. But I think that um, it, it it requires a lot of seeking God for his direction, because Mm. it's there's a component to where you don't need to be seeking something um you don't need to be seeking something of of that degree because it's it's more dangerous for you than it is beneficial and there's another component to where you don't ever want to put yourself in a position where you're limiting god one one story that i always go back to now in in my answer right here one story that i always go back to is the david and Bathsheba story um which to me is one of like when I read that story, I just like my heart just hurts every time I read that story, um, because whenever, whenever you know David committed the sin with Bathsheba, he um, had her husband killed, um, and then the next chapter, um, the prophet Nathan comes to David and he tells him the story of of the the rich man and the poor man with the lamb, and and, and talks about how a rich man basically took a poor man's lamb. And killed it for his guests when he had, you know, more than enough lambs that he could have killed. And David says, um, well, whoever that man is, he needs to die. And the prophet says, well, you're that man that I'm talking about. And as David, as the prophet Nathan is, is like giving the prophecy to David from God, um, basically saying how there's always going to be war in your family um, and how, you know, he's pronouncing these judgments against David. In that, in that, in that judgment, God says, um, I've given you, I've given you everything you've, you've, you've needed. You know, I gave you your master's wives. I've given you your master's uh, throne. I made you king over all Israel. I took you from a, from a shepherd to a king. And it says, there's one part in that verse and it says, and if all this had been too little, I would have given you more. And that, that part always, always like, was like a knife to me because to think of at that point where David was as king over Israel and everything that he had, and God was saying, if that if if you were unsa- if if there was something else that you wanted, you should have just asked instead of taking it for yourself. And so there's this component again. I'm I'm just reiterating the the limitations that we put on ourselves that limit God. You know, sometimes we we don't ask and we don't seek from God. And we limit his capacity, and I, I'm saying limit with quotations around it, um, our willingness to come to him, our willingness to ask, our willingness to seek sometimes um, limits how he operates in our lives. And so um, there's, it's a, it's a, that's a long way of me saying it's, it's really about where God is leading you. Yeah. No, and, and you know, you're, when you're a high school person, you have – your scope is on sports. You all you see is sports. But God, when God calls you to whatever college you go to, there's so many different avenues that you can go down. Yes, sports is a big part of that. But there's so many clubs that you can be involved in. You can be involved in FCA, athletes in action. So many different uh, classes and majors and stuff like that. So I think it's important as a high school student or you know somebody that wants to go play in college that 
sports, yes, it's a big part of what you want to do, but it's not the entire thing. And just like, I mean, just like yourself, you're involved with multiple different uh, activities and clubs and stuff like that. So talk to me about that. Why is it so important to be involved in different things? I think it's equally as important as, as what you do on the field. Mm. So I I walked on and I walked, I was a walk on for four seasons. So my fourth season, my senior year is when I got a scholarship. So, so you can imagine someone coming in, walking on thinking, okay, I just need a year under my belt, you know, get faster, stronger, you know, learn, learn the program and, I, I'm I'm positive I'm gonna get a scholarship after that first year, and then add three more to that. Mm-hmm. So that that's that was my that was my journey, right? And as as brutal and as grueling as that was, I cannot I cannot say that I I would change it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't because being me not playing so. I was a walk-on, and I played, you know, my first year I redshirted. My second year I, I played very minimally, like I could, like very minimally, maybe like less than 20 special teams plays the whole year. Um, and then my junior year I played just primarily special teams, a little bit more than I did my sophomore year. And then my senior year I, I was on every special teams unit, but didn't play on defense. So I, I practically didn't play defense for four, for four seasons. So not having that, I couldn't put my identity in football because mm. I wasn't playing. So yeah. I, it 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 kind of pushed me. Okay, what else do I want to do? Like, what else? What else do I like? What 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 interests me? What where else can I serve? Where else can I, you know, be planted into? You know, so I started getting involved in you know the student athlete advisory committee. Um, I started getting involved with. Um, the Black Student Union on campus. I started serving on my university's diversity council. Um, I started um, getting in leadership programs within the business, uh, the, the school of business. I just started spreading out left and right, left and right, because I, to be honest, football didn't demand that much of me. Yeah, I mean, I could juggle going to practice and and going to weights and doing everything I was supposed to do, but. On Saturdays, I wasn't a part of the game plan, you know, so I didn't have to carry that that mental load or um, that physical load on game days because and not to say that I wasn't giving my 100 percent. I absolutely was um, with the roles that I was given, but it wasn't as wasn't as demanding. But that that allowed me to branch out, which was the best thing, the absolute best thing for me, Um, the connections I was able to make, the networking I was able to do. And that also supplemented my my mindset of not needing football, which is a whole nother topic, a whole nother discussion of of how we not we get engulfed in our sports, but um, we don't know who we are outside of our sports a lot of times. Um, and so that that helped that so much because I wasn't I wasn't demanded from that much for football. So. I began to see myself outside of football long before I played my last snap. Um, so then I had, once I graduated my undergrad, I still had two years of eligibility. Um, and, um, we had a, a new coaching staff come in and, um, also because, so everything connects because the relation, the, 
the different organizations I became a part of um, connected me with the president of our university, which I ended up being able to build a really good relationship with. And so whenever our, they let that coaching staff go, I actually was sitting on the hiring committee for our new head coach. So wow. I, I was able to interview along with um, a group of other individuals um, closely connected to the school, um, the athletic director, you know, um, and the president. We, I was able to interview the finalists for our head coaching position. And so when they came in, you know, it was a clean slate, and I was able to earn a starting spot. So going from walk-on to scholarship to starting to starting position for the last two years and it, it again I wouldn't change anything because now that I was had a heavy demand for football now that I was dependent upon now that I was you know playing every snap on defense playing special teams you know uh, became a captain now that all that responsibility was on my head um I wasn't moved by it as much because I knew that football was not my end all be all and I was still able to give my my 100% and and give the program and my teammates everything that I had but I wasn't engulfed in it because I knew already that this is not this is what something I do but it is not who I am by any stretch um and so that prepared me so much um that as as hard as it was I I can't ask for for it to be different Wow. That, I mean, the lessons you probably learned during that time too, are you couldn't, you couldn't get, have gotten those unless you went through those challenges and trials and those four years of not playing. And I think you become so much more well-rounded as an individual when you, when you're in those clubs and going to practice still in workouts and everything like that. But how did you experience, how did you get to experience God's love and his presence through those challenges and even challenges that you've had been through in the past? I know I've been giving you a lot of long answers, but I told you once I, <laughs> once I get going, it's just like spewing out. I love it. I think with this question, I, with this question, there's, there's a vulnerability that comes with it. I think, I think to one story in the, in the Bible and this kind of encapsulates my point. Jesus was invited to eat at a Pharisee's house. And I can't remember what, what, um, what chapter in one of the gospels this is in. But Jesus gets invited to eat at a Pharisee's house. And as he and as he comes, there's a lady um, who they say is a sinner. That's how they describe her. What's in, you know, I mean, it doesn't really specify. But there's a lady that was a sinner. And she was waiting on, on, on you know, Jesus' disciples and, and, the, and the guest in the Pharisee's house. Um, and she comes in and she's... Um, crying on Jesus' feet. She's wiping the tears off with, um, her hair. She's kissing, she's kissing his feet and she's, um, pouring alabaster, um, oil on his, on his feet. And the Bible says that the Pharisee who invited Jesus, he didn't say anything out loud, but he thought in his heart, if this man was a prophet, he would know who's touching her and that she's a sinner. And in the Bible says that Jesus perceived um, his thoughts and said, teacher, I want to ask you something. He says, uh, there, was, there was a creditor that had two guys that, that owed him. And he, and he said one owed him a significant amount. The other owed him a little less, um, a lower amount. And um, he says, and the creditor just says, hey, 
both of y'all don't have the money. It's okay. I'll forgive both of y'all. He said, and Jesus says, who do you think will, will, will love the, the guy more, the creditor more? And the, the Pharisee says, probably the guy that owed, owed the largest amount of money. And Jesus said, yeah, you, you're, you judge correctly. <laughs> Long story short, he says, this woman, although her sins are great, you know, she's forgiven because those that are forgiven much love much. Those are for those that are forgiven little love little. And I think that that is kind of like where I've experienced the love of God the most is that I have I have seen my unworthiness like <laughs> laid bare. And my shortcomings, my 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 sin, my 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 failure um, with God, with with those around me, with myself and. The fact that God still, like his, 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 his mercy is not dependent on my faithfulness. That, that is like just an indescribable feeling when, when, when that's, when that's, when you see that bear in your life. Like as unfaithful as I am, <laughs> God's mercy, it's like it almost increases with my unfaithfulness and it, and it's not to, and it's not to, you know, pacify that and say, you know, Oh, well you can, you can continue, you know, um, being unfaithful, but it's, it's the grace of God. It's literally the grace of God. It's, 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 it's his sacrifice standing in that gap for me. And to see just the blessings that I've been given, like on the field, um, the 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 career that I was able to have like in my last two years being a captain being um named uh the the national representative for my conference at the uh, national level for student athlete committee um being uh the brand ambassador for first financial bank um having my own sandwich named after me just like so many so many blessings so many like things that are just like incredible but if you knew the like if you knew you would understand you would understand that this is only God and this is only by God's mercy because it's 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 unreal it's unreal how someone can come short again and again and and be unfaithful and and God still covers them and that love that love is is made manifest when you see how unworthy you are and you see how God still treats you. Um and so if you're if you're forgiven much you love you love much and and that's something that I'm trying to continue to play out in my life is I know what God has done for me and I know, you know, where I've come from and so how can I continue to be an expression of that to others? I hear you. Yeah, I I I can relate to that so much. I've done so much in my life and I don't deserve anything that he has given me or provided me. And it's just crazy what he's, what he's brought me to. And yeah, I think something that you talked about was like your, or something that we've talked about is, you know, your trials produce steadfastness. And that's what it says in, in, in James one, that your faith, your testing of your faith is going to produce steadfastness. And I think it's so difficult at times to be patient through that because 
I mean, you see, you have teammates around you, they're getting what they want, they're getting play in time, and then you see all these different students that are maybe getting better grades or anything like getting better recognition. What have you learned about being patient through through your sport and through being a college athlete? I would say that those four years that I was a walk-on were the longest four years of my entire life. That that I, I'm convinced that that was like 15 years. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. It's crazy because mm. there wasn't a price I would not have paid to accelerate those years. But the funny thing is, <laughs> once once I finally started playing, I was like, goodness gracious, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> Like once I once I was like once I once I was named the, the starter like the first year I was named the starter out of camp, you know my whole my whole career I've been saying I'm ready I'm ready I, I'm ready to be the starter I'm ready to do this I'm ready to do this. Once I was named the starter, it was like the the weight of that and the work that was required to maintain that I was like yo. <laughs> <laughs> I get myself into. Oh my god! I don't think I'm ready for this. Uh, which is funny because you think sometimes like your impatience makes you feel like um, your impatience makes you feel like um, you're ready before you are, and and it's it's also tricky because sometimes when you don't feel you're ready is when you're actually ready. Um, it, it really just depends on when God says you're ready because the following year when I was named the captain. I've always said that I, I've been, I've been like, I probably finished like top one, one spot out or two spots out of being voted a captain three straight years. And so when I, when I was finally elected captain, I mean, I was always before that, I was like, man, I want to be a captain. I want to, I want to be a captain. I want to be a captain. And I'm leading already. I'm doing different things, but I want to be a captain. I want to be a captain. And once I was named captain, now everything that went wrong with the team, my coaches were like, and, and, and what are you doing? And, and, and why didn't you go and talk to him? Why didn't you go? And, and why, why, when he did that in practice, why didn't you go? I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be a captain. I, said, I don't know if I'm going to be a captain. But it was like, I was ready. I was ready. I was. I was ready to be a starter. I was ready to carry those mantles. But if I had it beforehand, no. If I had it beforehand, no. So I think with patience, you have to, you have to, number one, if you're aligned with God's will, if you're aligned, if you know you're aligned with God's will, like you're at where you're supposed to be at, you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then let God handle the timing because don't, don't rush for something prematurely because I promise you, you'll be overwhelmed. And the flip side of that, when God says it's time, go. Mm. Um, because you, and you can see those, you can see those examples in scripture. I mean, Moses literally was like, dude, no, I am not ready for this whatsoever. Like, no, no, no. And God was like, do you think that, and it had already been 40 years that he was, he was in Midian. And God was like, do you think that I got the timing wrong? Like, no, it's time for you to go. And so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a balance of it because sometimes when you think you're not ready is when you're ready. And sometimes when you think you're ready, you're not. So just trust in God's timing. The, the patient, the patient aspect is is knowing that God is not just making you wait just to twiddle his his thumbs. There's there's something that he's building in that wait that you need you need. Um, and so don't rush it. Don't rush it. Yeah. 
Wow, that's a that's a really good answer. And yeah, I I I need that in my life even even now. I'm not even an athlete anymore. I need that all the time. Um, but Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, you, I know your playing your playing days are over, but you still have a lot a lot of big days ahead of you, sir. Uh, I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, well, special thanks to Anthony for joining the show today. For all you listeners out there, please make sure to subscribe to the show and share this episode with an athlete that you know. It means more to us than you know every single week that you tune in and listen to every guest and every episode. If you don't get anything else from this, just remember this. Jesus loves you, and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you next time.